Here come the Lumberjacks. No timeouts. Jalen Cohn wrapped up for it for the win. Got it. Oh, my. Oh and the my. one seed is one and done. March Madness is here. We are in the thick of conference tournaments across NCAA basketball and are only 48 hours away from Selection Sunday. It's Friday, March 10th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. It's only March 9th, but the madness is already here. In the Big 12, Kansas won its first game despite head coach Bill Self missing the quarterfinal round after being hospitalized for an undisclosed illness. Another perennial contender, Blue Blood North Carolina, normally an automatic bid this time of year, had to fight for a chance to even make the big dance after being ranked preseason number one. There's even an early Cinderella team that everyone should keep an eye out for, Kennesaw State. Three years ago, their team finished with a record of 1-28. Last year, they went 13-18. This year, they are Atlantic Sun Conference champions and headed over to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history. He does! Tapped around! That's it! It's over! Kennesaw State wins the A-Sun Championship! And they're going to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history! One more tournament of note, the Big East. This weekend is a chance for that conference to show how far it has come from not too long ago when there are questions about whether it was even going to survive. Our reporter, Amanda Kristovich, is live from Madison Square Garden to take in the scene and give us the scoop on the state of the conference. Hello, Amanda. Hello. Good morning, afternoon. Yeah, yeah definitely still my morning. I'm out here on the West Coast. Um, so give us the scene. What, what's the, the Big East like right now? What's Yeah, how's it all going? Yeah, so um, it is. Th- I'm reporting to you on Thursday, uh, which is the day of the quarterfinals. So we have our first tip-off here in about 25 minutes. Um, and then basically um, there will be games until probably like 11.30 at night. I believe the last tip is at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, so I'm right now in the media room um, on the court level. So I actually just walked through and saw all of the um, St. John's and Marquette cheerleaders getting ready. Um, the bands are warming up. People are starting to filter in. So it's going to be a long day of Big East basketball, but a good day. Yeah. So are you going to be at Madison Square Garden for 12 hours? You know, that remains to be seen. I have a, I'm I have some interviews um, set up and, you know, frankly, I think it just depends on, you know, whether or not I'm in the mood to stay for uh, that last 930 tip. Because I will say quarterfinal night at Madison Square Garden is pretty awesome, but it just depends on the stamina. There is free food for the media, though. So shout out Big East and MSG for that. So I will stay fueled throughout the day. Yeah. You usually get something in the media room. It's not always enough to sustain you for a day. So, yeah, good for them. So uh, let's talk more broadly about uh, the Big East. This was a conference that, you know, wasn't looking so hot, you know, not too long ago and uh, has kind of righted the ship. So how did all that happen? Yeah, so um, I think the most important date to compare where we are now to would be 2013. Um, which is when the Big East, you know, I mean, Big East basketball is really um, arguably the most famous and important college basketball conference historically in the NCAA. Um, But in 2013, the Big East had attempted to wade into football. 
and um, there was a major round of realignment, sort of like there was now, there there was over the past year, and it basically got picked apart. All the football schools left, um, and it was kind of a sorry state of affairs. I mean, it was unclear whether the Big East would survive at all. Um, what happened was the old Big East turned into the American Athletic Conference, um, which exists as FBS football now and the seven football only schools broke off added a few more schools and became the new Big East um, signed a media rights deal with Fox and here we are about a decade later and the conference you know is doing really really well despite not having football like it's almost an asset that they don't have football because they can focus on basketball um, they send multiple teams to the men's tournament every year um, and you know they they lured UConn back which is incredible particularly on the women's side um, you know last night session one of what is frankly kind of like play-in games was a sellout um, I read and um, you know I mean like the conference is arguably one of the most stable in all of Division One at this point, after being picked apart just a decade ago. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you know very interesting and maybe good news for for some conferences right now that are kind of having these existential crises. So, what's the state of the Big East right now in terms of like might they be adding more schools? Uh, what's their deal with media rights? Um, how how's just the the quality of the games? Where, where are we with all that? Yeah, so um, as far as media rights go, Commissioner Val Ackerman said that she was going to um, start negotiations in the next few months um, with Fox, which is their current partner. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I will hopefully get more insight onto uh, the specifics of potential expansion, but um, I have been told that the conference, you know, there are schools interested in joining the conference. Um, last year, there was a lot of rumors about Gonzaga, that's a bit of a controversial, you know, logistical school because of the West Coast versus, you know, Midwest to East Coast. It, it would be, you know, expensive, frankly. Um, but at the very least, the Big East is, doesn't appear to be concerned about losing members. And when I say that, you know, everyone says they're not concerned when they really are. But, like, legitimately, they appear to be, you know, on the offensive as far as expansion goes. Um, and as far as the state of play, you know, maybe some of our um, listeners who have been following college basketball for a while will know that there has kind of been this this criticism of the quote-unquote new, new Big East, that the style of play isn't quite as iconic as the old style, which was, you know, it, it was pretty physical, for example. Um, I will say last night, um, if you were watching the broadcast, the uh, the broadcasters were talking about how, you know, the DePaul-Seton Hall game looked like old Big East. So I would say that the quality of play, you know, is... It's different. It's a different style than it was in the '80s, but you know, it's it's still a lot higher quality than I feel like people give it credit for. And before we go, just wanted to get your thoughts on the departure of long, long time Syracuse coach Jim Beheim. He was with them when they were in the Big East and and beyond. So, any thoughts on the the life and times of Jim Beheim? 
Well, as a Georgetown graduate, I could go on and on and on about Jim Beheim. Um, he was, you know, public enemy number one on our campus for uh, many years, even after uh, Syracuse left the Big East. But, you know, obviously, I mean, he is iconic. He helped build Big East basketball. Um, you know, it's been, frankly, really cool to watch. Um, you know, Syracuse under Jim Beheim, maybe even after its glory years. Um, obviously, the program has a little bit of rebuilding to do. They are, you know, to get back to where they were before. But, um, you know, I, I wish him well, and I would say, you know, like, I, weirdly, I think, I, I think the Georgetown fans are going to miss having the easy enemy of Jim Beheim. We'll have to see uh, who can replace him as our, uh, you know, our public enemy number one. All right. Well, good times. Uh, Amanda Christovich, live from the Garden. Thanks so much for joining us. Up next, we have Ibrahim Sanya, chairman of Silverback Holdings. Silverback is a private equity firm with a significant minority investment in the Cape Town Tigers, which is a team in the Basketball Africa League. That league was co-founded by the NBA in 2019, and it is a fascinating project with no real equivalent that I'm aware of. Sanya helped set it up as a member of Africa's Export-Import Bank. We'll have that conversation right after this. Two thousand. 2008, 2022. When it comes to the economy, those are some scary years. Dot com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster we're going through right now. One thing is certain it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers, but over 31,000 businesses have the confidence and clarity they need because they rely on NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. So, how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they improve their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash frontoffice right now. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Ibrahim Sanya. He's the chair of Silverback Holdings, which invests in tech, sports, media, and lifestyle businesses in Africa. Silverback invested in the Cape Town Tigers of the Basketball Africa League, which is an African professional basketball league started by the NBA, entering its third season. Welcome, Ibrahim. Hi, how are you, Noah? Great privilege being here today. Big fan of your work. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, we're, we're very happy to have you on. So to start, why don't you just tell us, you know, uh, what does Silverback Holdings look for in a potential investment and how do the Cape Town Tigers fit into that picture? We are a permanent capital uh, holding and uh, we've invested uh, over the years in uh, over 240 companies. And uh, we follow four verticals in terms of priority sectors. The first one is technology. So we invest in private technology companies that have not listed yet. A lot of them startups. The second is sports, which is what we'll talk about today. The third is media. So we invest in a few media properties in the continent. Some of them of American uh, origins. And then uh, lastly, lifestyle. We invested here in New York in a, 
a designer, shoe designer called Armando Cabral, who's at the Rockefeller Center. I see. And you were also involved in setting up the Basketball Africa League, if I'm, if I'm correct in that, as a member of, the, of Africa's Export-Import Bank. What's the vision for this league? So the vision of the league is really novel and uh, really uh, encouraging because the NBA as an institution, as you know, is uh, many decades old and uh, did up to now uh, only have teams that were in uh, North America. So they expanded the group NBA into China. As you know, there was NBA China. That was quite a great success, but there was never a league. In the case of the African expansion, uh, the subsidiary NBA Africa is a billion dollar uh, in terms of valuation uh, group. It has uh, welcomed about uh, close to $100 million of uh, capital injection from African investors. Uh, one of the institutional investors is actually one of the largest PE funds uh, out of Africa called uh, Helios. And this was really architected at, uh, on the Africa front uh, by a gentleman called uh, Tunde Folawiyo, who's been driving really uh, the effort from the investor side uh, and aggregating the brands. Now, the NBA in the African side did the league. This is what is distinctive. It teamed up with FIBA, created a league where about 12 teams meet annually in a format that is similar to Champions League and they play in three different jurisdictions. So it creates a variety of touch points and touristic experiences for not only the players, the coach and the audience to discover the continent and permit uh, unusual content. And uh, as you may have heard, there are discussions that the NBA from next year or in a couple of years will start having preseason games happening on the continent. So I think for the fans, that's a development that's massive in terms of variety of content. But the key point to take home is we need to be cognizant that a larger and a growing base of players in the NBA come from the continent. So this is an investment that at all levels makes sense from the NBA. Mm-hmm. And talk to me a bit about the the efforts to just grow the game of basketball in Africa, you know, both through this league, but also possibly um, adjacent to the league. The key point is it allows NBA to circumvent the, the stage of having to find those players in Europe or in Asia. So a lot of Africans leave the continent, start playing in the European League or in Asia and get found by NBA, and NBA pays a premium to capture them there. Uh, NBA has been smart, they've come straight to the ground and is telling that talent, you don't need to go anywhere. We are here, let us discover you, and then we'll ship you. For us as an investor, because we're invested in this team, if the NBA take any of your players, you get a, a, a nominal amount. So that's also some form of capital gain that we can get uh, beside our normal recurring forms of income. So I understand that you have a new investor coming in that, um, that you can announce here. Um, what can you say about that? Indeed, this is an exclusive. Before I lay out his name, I'll just uh, remind the audience that uh, we, we, just before him, were able to secure the investment of a gentleman called Mr. Easy, 
who's a Grammy-certified Afrobeat singer and also an investor in tech and sports. And before him, we were also able to sign Zaire Wade, the son of Dwayne Wade. And we've signed as well uh, the former assistant coach of the LA Lakers, Mr. Azar. So today, we're glad to announce that Mr. Paxton Baker, who is the owner of the baseball team in Washington, D.C., and also an owner of a soccer team and tennis, has now joined the ownership group. And this is his first investment in the African continent in a franchise. And the power of uh, Paxton is that the three other sports he's invested in are in, he's carries a national championship for each of them. So we were just uh, joking with him this week saying we hope that he brings the medical condition of winning he has to us so we can all carry and wear rings with him. All right, well, congratulations on the investment. And Ibrahim Sanya, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Owen. Always a pleasure. We look forward to seeing you again soon. That's it for today. Enjoy your weekend. We have the U.S. and Dominican Republic and other top teams in the World Baseball Classic playing tomorrow, plus the Big East final. So if it's supposed to rain all day like it is for me, it's not the worst time to be stuck inside. Stay safe, and I'll see you Monday.